Today's word comes from Luke chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. Luke 13, 31 to 35. At that very hour come, Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell the fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathered her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of God. Um, I'm going to introduce our guest preacher today. Um, some of you may have met him. Um, he came uh, to uh, an event uh, a couple weeks ago. But Pastor uh, Kim, Kim, Kim Lay, <laughs> um, he was born and raised in Vietnam uh, during the uh, you know, turbulent, turbulent years of the Vietnam War. And then after Saigon fell in, in 1975, he and his family escaped um, on a fishing boat to seek freedom abroad. He was part of the boat people movement um, in the 1980s um, that fled Vietnam during that period of you know, political upheaval. Um, this is, you know, that is crazy enough, but wait till you hear this. The boat encountered a storm, the boat that he was on, and so I uh, had to take a, a detour and it arrived at a small island and finally ended up in Hong Kong um, in a refugee camp a few days later. Uh, Pastor Kim grew up in a Buddhist and ancestor worship um, environment, uh, but then he met the Lord Jesus Christ while he was studying molecular biology at the university. That's God, right? God does, he can do anything. Um, Kim worked for a number of years in the biotech and high-tech industries before heading off to Chicago to pursue theological studies. Um, and he has three children. Um, he has served in the capacities of a pastor, teacher, and chaplain to the community. And he loves hiking. Um, and he's also a fan of the Dallas Cowboys for the past 40 years. Um, but not with that, notwithstanding, you know, well, uh, let's welcome Pastor Kim. Um, thank you, Pastor Kim, coming up. Sisters, can you hear me? Um, it is a delight and a joy to be here. That part, being a Dallas Cowboy fan for 40 years, I'm repenting every day. <laughs> so I'm not doing a good job of it. We haven't won the Super Bowl for the past 26 years. So it's been a long drought. 
You know, every time we lose a playoff, and by the way, we lost to the 49ers uh, the last game we played, and I tell my children, next year we will win the Super Bowl. So I guarantee you, this coming year, we will win the Super Bowl. So you may not see me again from here on after I say this. Nevertheless, it is a joy to be here with you, and I want to take this opportunity to thank you, Pastor Susang, Pastor Joel, and Pastor Young. Uh, I had the opportunity to um, attend the PCA Pastors Conference in Georgia, and uh, through that, we built a very good bond and relationship, and thank you so much for, again, uh, for the opportunity to be here with you, to worship God with you, and to think God's thoughts after Him with you today. You know, this is uh, the Sunday, we call it Palm Sunday, and we are entering into a holy week, beginning Jesus entering Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, and then the drama begins. It's very, very intense. And I want to use the passage in Luke 13 today to help us to enter into the Holy Week, how our Lord Jesus Christ went through. Luke 13, but before Luke 13, Jesus Christ was in Galilee at this time. And in Luke 9, 51, it says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Notice with me here, Jesus is in Galilee, and he's about to go to Jerusalem. And Luke says he set his face. He's determined to go to Jerusalem. What is going to happen is the drama of the final week, as you know. The story here begins when Jesus is encountering two big forces, the Pharisees and Herod. Have you ever set out to do something and you run into obstacles? And Jesus here is about to do something in Jerusalem. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. But before he goes to Jerusalem, Jesus is facing two formidable forces. For Herod, Jesus gets in the way of his political power. For the Pharisees, Jesus gets in the way of religious power. Jesus is so influential. They need to wipe him. They need to get rid of him. So in this context, we come to Luke 13. Some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod 
wants to kill you. Now, I don't intend to read the mind of the Pharisees. It could be a sincere warning. Jesus, we love you and we care for you. And we know that Herod has a plot to kill you. So please go away. I'm not sure if that's the right reading. But the other reading could be they are using Herod to threaten him. You better go now before Herod kills you. It may be the Pharisees are making up a story to remove Jesus from the scene. We don't know. But we come up with a formidable foe. On the one hand, you have the Pharisees, the most powerful religious figures, telling you to leave. On the other hand, you have Herod, the most powerful political figure. Imagine or not, he's telling you to leave or he will kill you. If you were in Jesus' position and situation, what would you do? For me, I'll just take off immediately. But how is Jesus going to respond to the two forces that are pressing against him? Let's go to Jesus' reply to the Pharisees. He replied, Go tell that fox, meaning Herod. Go tell Herod that fox, I will keep on driving out the demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will finish my course. Just think for a moment of it. This is Herod Antipas. Go tell that fox, meaning Jesus say, go tell that figure, that guy. He is very cunning and he's very deceptive. Even though how cunning he is, he has a plot to kill me, I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm to continue the ministry of deliverance of demons. I'm going to heal. I'm going to do the work of the gospel ministry today, tomorrow, and on the third day. In the original meaning, I will finish means I will reach my goal. Whatever it is that Herod is plotting to do against Jesus, whatever it is that the Pharisees are trying to do to remove Jesus from the scene, and this is what he said, you guys go ahead. Go tell Herod, I am going to work. I am going to do what I need to do I need to finish my business for the work of the Father. In any case, he repeats it again the same time. I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. He's coming up with a formidable foe. But Jesus says, I must continue. My work must go on in this journey. I'm going to Jerusalem. And this is where I will die. Brothers and sisters, it is hard. 
It is hard to continue into a journey where you will know for sure your life will be taken away. But despite the opposition, despite the plot to kill him, real or not, despite the fierce threat of taking his life, the work of God must go on. Neither Herod nor the Pharisees can determine Jesus' fate. Jesus was resolved to accomplish the mission he set out to do. This is the will of God in Jesus. I must go on today, tomorrow, and the day following. And Jesus follows with this. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, why Jerusalem? Why does the prophet have to be killed in Jerusalem? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jesus cried in verse 34, you who killed the prophets and stoned those who sent you. Just take a moment. Why is Jerusalem the center of attention? And why does Jesus have to mention Jerusalem as the place that kills prophets? If you go back to the Old Testament a, a little bit, Jerusalem is the center of God's dwelling. The temple is there. Many times long ago, God sends prophet after prophet after prophet to indict people's sin, to remind them of their disobedience. But time after time, again and again, the people of God murdered their prophets. 570, 587 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar came the king of Babylon came and attacked Jerusalem and he killed many of its people and took the rest into exile. Jerusalem has been ransacked. Its people went to the exile. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, time and time again, you are the one who killed the prophets and stoned those who sent you. The message of God came to God's people, came to the city of God. And again and again, they refused to listen to him. This is a lament. This is a cry. Just as Jesus wept over Jerusalem, who refused to hear the word of God, are we weeping over the nations, over the community? Are we praying somehow God has mercy on us? Nine, uh, actually ten years ago, I was um, in training in San Francisco Memorial Hospital as a chaplain for one year. I took a break from my PhD studies and I uh, want to be a chaplain for a year. 
So um, I wrestle all night with this thought. I arrived in um, the Bay Area from Hong Kong refugee camp in 1982, March 15 to be exact. And then I lived here for so long, and a thought came up to my mind. San Jose is home to 110,000 people at that time when I did the demographic study. I thought to myself, San Jose is home to 110,000 Vietnamese, the city of San Jose alone. If you extend it to Santa Clara County at that time, San Jose is home to about 225,000 Vietnamese. God put a big burden on my heart. Everywhere I drive in San Jose, besides pho, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of Buddhist temples. I live in the Buddhist environment for so long in Vietnam. And my heart just sank as I drive around San Jose. And I do a calculated study. If I total up all the Vietnamese Christians of all the denominations, they total about less than a thousand people in San Jose. So I did my math. If San Jose alone has less than a thousand Protestant Christians, there are much, much less than 1% who are Vietnamese. And I thought to myself, I am one of the less than 1% Vietnamese who are lucky, blessed, fortunate to hear the gospel. What about the other 99.90-something percent, Kim? Who is going to speak the gospel to them? What are you doing here, Kim? So it weighs on my heart for weeks. And then I gathered four families. We planted a church in San Jose 10 years ago in the heart of San Jose by Tully and McLaughlin. And I, after reading Tim Keller's book, and I, I said to myself, where can people find the teaching, preaching, and the living of the gospel in the city every day, every week? If people want to hear about Jesus, where can they come to hear the teaching and the preaching and the demonstrating of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What about the 99 point something percent who need to hear Jesus? I had no other agenda but just that. If Jesus is weeping over the nations, over the prophets, about the lack of belief, the willful rejection of salvation. What are we weeping for? Do I weep for my team losing the Super Bowl? No. 
if Jesus is weeping for the salvation of souls, what are we to weep for through the heart of Jesus? God has used me to go back to Vietnam to teach at seminaries, to train future leaders here and abroad. And everywhere I see the need for gospel ministry in the local church is so fundamental because it is here in your congregation, in your life, in the people you meet, that people get to know Jesus. I can't go to your family. I can't go to your school for you. I cannot go to your community for you. God is using you here in your community for you to weep for their souls and to pray for them. And Lord willing, to speak the gospel to them like Jesus is weeping over the nation. Amen? Amen? That is the heart of Jesus for this holy week. And this is a lament. Somehow we pray before the Lord tarries. Somehow all of us deserve judgment. But we, but we pray that somehow judgment can be avoided or postpone so they can hear the salvation of the Lord Jesus and so that they would turn into repentance and believe. I grew up 11 years in Vietnam. I hear the name Jesus Christ only one time amongst the adults who talk about religion in my neighborhood. I don't know who Jesus is. I, almost, I nearly drowned in the ocean. I get to hear Jesus because I arrive at the Hong Kong refugee camp and somebody just told me about Jesus. I didn't know who Jesus was. I did not pursue him. My parents believed and baptized in the Hong Kong refugee camp, but I need to know Jesus personally. But it is when Jesus met me and weeped for my soul and my sins when I study molecular biology at UC Davis, that's when where Jesus met me. It's weird, I know. I almost turned into evolution and abandoned the church. But God used the very scientific study to turn me into a believer. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. I'm sure Jesus wept for my soul for my disobedience and for my, my life. The reason that Jesus came, because he wept for Israel. Not only for Israel, but for every single one of us. Jerusalem is the nation of God the center of political and religious power and activity of the day. Jerusalem is the sacrificial system, the place of worship and the presence of God. This is supposed to be the place that know God. This is supposed to be the place that worship God the most. But they're not. They're rejecting God. Jerusalem, there is irony here in Jesus' words. Jerusalem, you're supposed to be that way, but you're not. You are the place where God's people need you. 
but your leaders reject him. You killed his prophets. Now you re reject me as the coming Messiah. This is irony. You see the heart of Jesus Christ. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathered her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Jerusalem, my heart cries out for you. How many times I send prophet after prophet after prophet like a, a big hen to gather you. Come back. Listen to me. Come under my wings. But you would have none of that. You were not willing. The idea of hiding under God's wings is found in Psalm 17, 8. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 91, 4. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings there you find refuge. Brothers and sisters, outside of the Lord, there is no other wings. The wing brings you security, protection, and shelter. Come to me, the Lord says, and I will hide you under the shadow of my wings. But God's people repeatedly refuse to come under his protection. Deuteronomy 32, 11. Again, God's word is reminding God's people, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wing to catch them and carries them alo uh, aloft, the Lord alone let him. The imagery of the Lord as the mother hen, the eagle who has wings spread out, my children come to me. This is the heart of God in the Old Testament. God is crying out. God is inviting you, wooing you into his bosom. But I don't know why we constantly run away. We seek some form of other shelter besides the wing and the protection of God. I don't know why. God could have said to me today, Oh, how often I have longed to gather you, Kim, as a hen that gathered her chicks, but you were not willing. How much more are you going to disobey me, to run away from me? I am your security. I am your shelter. This is it. You will find no other. But why is it we keep running away from God and find other people, places to find us and to give us security? My daughter, when she was born, uh, she loved that blanket. It's called her security blanket. And when she moved to Chicago, she was um, 
two and a half years old. And we bought her um, the blanket. And you know, when you got to Chicago, two years later, the blanket is old. It's worn out. Uh, it gets, you know, torn apart. It's really, really old and, you know, it smells. But my daughter, every night when she sleeps, she has to have that security blanket. No other will do. And I, um, I wanted to give her a new blanket, but she refuses. And one day, I, um, it was, the condition was so bad, I had to take it away and buy her a new blanket. And boy, did I regret. No other blanket can suffice. What brings you security? Is it your job? What brings you security? Is it your family background? Is it your country? Is it your pocket? Is it your wealth? Is it your position? What brings me security? God is the only security, my brothers and sisters. Can I have an amen? That's it. You don't run anywhere else. They could be false security. How many times have we gone in our own way? And in the end, we realize, oh my gosh, I did it again. I've ran away from the voice of God. Not just Israel. The whole humanity, since the day we were born, we find other forms of security to make us happy and safe and secure. The heart of God is not so much condemnation, but lament. He's crying. He's loving and he's crying because we're not listening. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He wept over the nations and he wept over his children. Somehow, some way, we can avoid judgment or judgment postponed so we can repent. It is with great sadness that Jesus said this. Jerusalem, behold, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You can find the same verse in Psalm 118, 26. Jesus is, Jesus is looking back the Old Testament and speaking prophecy. You, your house will, is left to you desolate. Not only the Babylonian exile, but if you read church history, year 70 AD after Christ, 
the Romans came and they sacked the whole city of Jerusalem, smashed the city into pieces. Now you have left is a wall. They call it a weeping wall, right? What Jesus said came true. Behold, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again, my return, until you say, Blessed is he who, who comes in the name of the Lord. You get a glimpse of Jesus' prophecy as Jesus enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday in Luke 19.38. The people cry out who welcome Jesus as he rides into Jerusalem on the Sunday prior to his death. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And then Friday he dies. They killed the last prophet and the Lord Jesus Christ. What do we get out of the scriptural reflection here? You have three major figures in this story. You have Herod, is famous for being a fox. Herod's character here is, you better run before Herod is going to kill you. Herod takes away life. Jerusalem rejects life that God gives to his people. You have two formidable forces. One wants to take away life. The other rejects the life that God gives them. And you have the third figure, Jesus. He gives us his life to give life. There is irony here. Jesus is the one who gives up his life to give you life while the other people takes away life or rejects life. John 6.35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You will not find life outside of Jesus. That's it. To accept Jesus is to receive life and mercy and salvation and grace and all the benefits that entails. To accept Jesus is to receive life. But this message from Jesus has an, the other side of the coin. But to reject him is to face judgment. Uh, this is not the soothing words that I want to bring to you. But this is the reality of Jesus Christ. Why did he come to die? On the one hand, he loves you and I so much. He loves the people in the Bay Area so much. 
He loves the 99.90-something Vietnamese people who yet to know Christ so much that he has to face down, face the reality of death and offer life. By the way, Vietnam is home to 100 million people. Roughly, it's about 1 million or less. We have a lot of work to do. And Jesus' words pierce through my heart. Spend the rest of your days and the rest of your life to bring Jesus to people when the day is still here, when the end is not yet. There's not only Vietnamese, there's Koreans, there's Cambodians, there's Chinese. The whole world have yet to hear Jesus. And the message of Jesus is twofold. Come, come to him. And you will experience the profound love of God like you've never experienced before. But the other side, to reject Christ is to face judgment. Brothers and sisters, when you do evangelism, when you share the gospel, Share with the posture of humility. You share the gospel of Jesus Christ, not with arrogance, but with humility and tears. Um, every Tet, every uh, Vietnamese Lunar New Year, a brother and I, a brother in Christ and I, we would take, uh, we would take um, Vietnamese food, bánh tét, bánh chừng, bánh dày, and we would um, walk down to the jungle, the homeless area where thousands of homeless people who live down there, there's a lot of Vietnamese down there. And then we, um, we just give them um, Vietnamese food and um, speak the gospel to people in the encampments. And every face I see, is with compassion and tears. I don't take out my apologetics argument to say, you're right, I mean, I'm right and you're wrong. No. You go there and you see everyone, you speak the gospel with tears. Because you know there comes a time where you don't be able to do it anymore. The opportunity is closing, my friends. There comes to a point where I can't do it anymore. Speak the gospel with tears so the Lord can delay judgment. I can't run away from Scripture here. I cannot emphasize just love and no judgment. And I cannot just say God is judging but no loving. I cannot hide scripture here. It's both. Both God is loving and God is judging. 
I, I cannot say otherwise. Psalm 95, 8. If today, my friends, brothers and sisters, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Remember, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees. They are the religious elite of the day. Jesus is denouncing Jerusalem, the temple, the center of religion and spirituality. And Jesus could have a message to us, followers of Jesus Christ. If today you hear his voice, whatever it is that Jesus is speaking to you in your condition right now, please do not harden your heart. When we receive the message that the Lord brings to us, we could ignore, we could neglect, we could reject, but there will be judgment. This is very sobering. On the other hand, when the gospel, when the salvation comes to us, we ponder, we remember, we repent, and we return. It's not that when I receive Jesus Christ, all my sins are healed. I'm perfect. No. We repent daily, every day, and return. Remember, repent and return. Herod has something to teach us. The Pharisees had something to teach us. The city of Jerusalem, the history of Jerusalem, have something to teach us. We should remember Every time God speaks to us, do not harden your hearts. Whatever security blanket that you're running, go, you're running after, whatever you think that makes you secure, happy, and content, remember, is this from God? If the Holy Spirit convicts you, this is not right. Repent and return. Jesus Christ is the center of your life, your ministry, your mission, every day. Amen? For the Son of Man came not to give you more wealth or more influence, but for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. When I preach the um, parable of the two sons, we usually the parable of the prodigal son, as if only one is the bad guy and the other guy is good. 
but that's a misinterpretation of the gospel and scripture. I would rephrase it, the parable of the two lost sons. The younger brother is obvious he's lost, right? He wrecked his life in unimaginable ways. But the older brother who is lost in a very subtle way, he's in the house. He's in the church. He's in the religious establishment. He's working hard to make his father happy. Yet the older son is as lost as the younger son. Both are running away from God in their own way. One is decadence. One is overachieving, but there is no relationship with God. Both are not listening to the Father at all. We could have the unbelieving world not listening to God. That's obvious. But we could have believers who have the elder brother syndrome where our relationship with God is lost. We're not listening. We're not remembering. We're not repenting. And we're not returning. Jesus spoke to Jerusalem, not the pagans. He spoke to the Pharisees, not to the outsiders. And the message of God could speak to us insiders. We both need Jesus. Both brothers need Jesus. Both unbelievers and believers need Jesus every day. I need to repent of my shortcomings daily. It is the gospel. Remember? Repent and return to Jesus. As you go through this holy week, Remember what he did for you. Repent what you've been doing that is not pleasing to God. And return to the heart of Jesus Christ. There is your security blanket, my friends. There is your safety. There is your shelter. That is the safe, safest place that you can go to. May God be with you speak to you in this holy week in ways that are deep and loving. Let's take a moment to think about what we've heard. If I can ask you to close your eyes, how have the Lord present this message to you and speak to you as you enter into the Holy Week. What is Jesus lamenting about you and I today that we need to repent? What is Jesus lamenting in this community in Sunnyvale that we need to pray for and hope for repentance and return to God? May God speak to us. Amen.